When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started Betfred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetfredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. You're listening to the College Football Coast to Coast Show. Here are your hosts, Jacob and Tyler. Welcome back, college football fans, to College Football Coast to Coast. It is week five of the college football season. We're going to recap some games that we had picked for week four and give you a little rundown of what happened last weekend. We'll jump right into uh, week five and all anticipated conference matchups uh, coming up this week. But we'll get started with last weekend's matchups, and we'll start in the ACC with number five Clemson going on the road to face the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Uh, a top 25 matchup, Tyler, here, and a crazy finish to this one, and I don't think anybody expected this game to go uh, past regulation. Yeah, this was a much-anticipated matchup here in the ACC. This was pretty much whoever wins this one is pretty much in the driver's seat uh, in, the, in their division. Uh, Wake Forest last year won the division. Uh, they didn't beat uh, Clemson, but Clemson uh, was a two-loss team, and Wake Forest uh, had a better record uh, in the conference. So this was a huge win for Clemson. I think that a lot of people uh, aren't really giving this Clemson team credit, uh, especially their quarterback, DJ Uungala. I think that he had a phenomenal game. This was a battle between the two quarterbacks, both Sam Hartman and DJ Uungala. But, I mean, the defenses were just overmatched in this one. I think that the offenses really had their way. And as you see uh, in the scoreboard, if you're looking on ESPN or whatever app you're looking on, this took uh, – the whole regulation but two more overtime so uh clemson was able to strike and, and score a touchdown and the rules are you have to go for two they did not go for two so that really set up you know wake forest you know to score a touchdown and then go for two uh but uh, they did not get a touchdown as clemson's defense uh, was able to hold charge but you just got a feel for wake forest uh, i mean they've been so close of beating clemson in the regular season these past couple of years and they just can't get it done uh, so i'm I don't know if they will, especially since this is Sam Hartman's uh, last year. I, I do think that Wake Forest can still go to a bowl game, but it's definitely difficult seeing uh, Wake Forest winning. Uh, I think that they're in the the Atlantic Division. Yeah, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it's going to be hard for Wake Forest uh, to go back uh, to Charlotte because I'm not really seeing uh, any other loss for Clemson, maybe outside of NC State. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this was a, a great game of two big offenses. And a, yeah, I think going forward, Wake Forest after this year could have a downfall in their in their offense a little bit. Still have a, uh, some key pieces there, but losing your quarterback is, is big, especially uh, for a team like Wake Forest. Uh, but a good win for Clemson to hang on and hold on to to a spot there in the top five for another week. And uh, moving on to our next game on the list, we've got K-State and Oklahoma, a crazy game, great game, uh, especially for Kansas State. We have the transfer from Nebraska. Uh, I think it's Aiden Martinez. It's Adrian Martinez. Adrian Martinez. And kind of led the way for K-State. This game was a lot, I think, more spread out than what the score shows you. Uh, kind of garbage time touchdown for Oklahoma, but not much time left. And a big win for K-State, especially, you know, here at this point in the season in a big Big 12 race that really it's anybody's ball game right now in the Big 12. So this kind of, I think, stakes the, you know, the claim that Oklahoma is of no more uh, of huge importance to anybody in the Big 12 after a loss like this. Uh, K-State has dominated the last four matchups, though. They've won three of the last four. And, uh, man, I should have known and <laughs> taken K-State to win this one because they came out firing on all cylinders. Yeah, this was a much-needed victory for Kansas State. I think that a lot of people really count them out, especially after last weekend. We were talking about the same Kansas State team losing to Tulane at home. But you just know that this one was going to be a, a battle. Like you mentioned, Kansas State either has covered in the last four years or have won uh, in the last uh, four years. So they did just that again. And like you said, Adrian Martinez had a big game, both on the ground and through the air. I think that four of his touchdowns were with his legs. So he had over 100 yards rushing. And then Deuce Vaughn was also a big part of that. I, I put this as a key. If Oklahoma doesn't stop Deuce Vaughn, then it's going to be a long game for them. And that's what it was. But uh Oklahoma's offense, you know, was able to score uh, with Dylan Gabriel. He had four touchdowns, but this defense, you know, the same, you know, question marks that Oklahoma fans had whenever Lincoln Riley was there and Jim Knowles, uh, not Jim Knowles, I don't know, remember, it was Grinch, uh, Alex Grinch, Mm -hmm. the defensive coordinator. Now he's with USC. I get mixed up with the Big 12 defensive coordinators. But, uh, yeah, that was a big question mark, you know, last year's Oklahoma team. You know, they have the offense, uh, but they don't have the defense this year either. So, Got to give credit to Kansas State. And for the Big 12 in you know, particular, you know, Oklahoma was really like the, the setting stone of, you know, the Big 12 getting a playoff team. And now I think the only really teams that can really get it is your undefeated teams, Oklahoma State. But they have a big matchup this weekend against Baylor. You have Kansas, who's 4-0. So, I mean, if we get a Kansas team 12-0, then, man, hell's going to freeze over or, or something. Uh, but – yeah, it seems like the Big 12 uh, playoff hopes uh, really got dashed uh, with K-State uh, beating Oklahoma. Yeah, crazy conference there to look out for this year and for the following years to come with Oklahoma leaving to the SEC along with their counterpart, Texas. So moving on to the Big 10 and a big matchup here. Most people thought this was kind of going to be a one-sided battle and uh, Michigan was going to take care of business, but Maryland proved to – come in and put up a fight in Ann Arbor. And I had a feeling this would happen following Big Ten football for a long time. And Maryland has offense. But the one thing that they lacked is a, is a, long, is a strong defensive stand and had some trouble with that 
on a fourth down and one, you can't get a, a stop. And uh, Michigan ends up going for it and uh, gets a big touchdown to seal the victory. But at the end of at the end of the day, that's the difference right there. So, I mean, it was a big emphasis on the running game for Michigan, and I think it will be going forward. I don't know how much trust they have in J.J. McCarthy to let it rip uh, in, in a game, in a big game going forward. They're going to have some big games coming up. So, uh, actually, this upcoming you know, weekend that we'll be talking about. But this here for Maryland, I think, shows that they can stick around in the East, and they're still a team that can win uh, 500, you know, play 500 ball at the end of the season and, and might get an upset win every once in a while. Yeah, I, I mean, I had faith in this Maryland team, especially with a quarterback, Talia Tungvalo. I mean, if you have him on your side, then you're going to pretty much stay in every ball game. That's exactly what Maryland did. And, you know, the main question mark that we have for Michigan, I know that we talked about this uh, last week too, uh, but this was really Michigan's first test. I mean, their first three games was Colorado State, Hawaii and UConn I don't think I think that out of all those people all those teams they have one one win combined so I mean you're really you know gonna you know learn about this team you know they had you know J.J. McCarthy and Kate McNamara roll out in week one and two and then J.J. McCarthy uh, gets the start but I think that the MVP for Michigan is Blake Corm, the running back. I think that he right now, if it's if CJ Stroud didn't exist, then Blake Corm would win the Big Ten Player of the Year. Uh, but the way that the running game has gone for the past uh, four weeks for this Michigan team is definitely a good sign. Obviously, Maryland's defense is one of the greatest in the Big Ten. They're one of you know in the middle of the pack there, uh, but they'll be tested this week uh, against the Iowa team that that's very scrappy. I know that their offense is shaky, but you know, this was the first, you know, this was a 17-point favorite. I know I did not want to touch this with a 10-foot pull as we were doing our weekly parlay. Good thing we didn't. Uh, not like it mattered. We still lost our parlay. We'll get to that uh, later in the show. Uh, but, yeah, I think I was more impressed uh, with Maryland in this game than I was uh, with Michigan. I think that a Maryland team, uh, I would not be surprised that they pull off a couple of upsets, and in the end, we see them as like an eight-win team. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think they're a team, a dark horse team, not so much to win the Big Ten, but a team to compete with people every week because uh, I don't think they shy away from that number next to Michigan's name at all, being at number four, and uh, just shows how much emphasis there can be on a number right there at Michigan being four. There's a lot of pressure, and uh, they were able to take care of business, but they got a big test upcoming this weekend that we'll get to. But moving on from that game, we'll get into the Pac-12 and number 15, Oregon, gets a big win on the road at Wazoo and uh, holds off the Cougars 44-41. to Crazy end of this game, Tyler, uh, the, way it, the way it happened. And it's a shame for Washington State. Uh, they couldn't hold on for another big win here after beating Michigan State, uh, I believe, last week. So it's, uh, it's going to be a tough... Uh, a tough bounce back here after, you know, giving up 44 points to an Oregon team that absolutely laid the hammer down last week and got a big win at home against BYU and now going on the road and still putting up another 44 points up here. uh, That's got to be a head scratcher for Washington State's defense. Uh, Offensively, they scored 41 points. Can't ask anything more from that, but uh, Oregon moves on and I guess is going up a little bit further in the ranks, hanging on, and uh, 
Washington State's going to have to go back to the drawing board. I tell you what, we had a lot of high-scoring shootouts already. I mean, three of the the six games that we're looking at in week four, at least uh, two of the teams got into the 40s. And, I mean, Oregon, you know, we talked about them in week one, the drubbing of of Georgia. I'm not really going to hold them accountable uh, for that. Uh, But, I mean, go back to, you know, week two now on the week four. I mean, Bo Nix has thrown at least five touchdowns in the game. So, I think that Bo Nix and this offense, you know, has found their rhythm. I think their defense is still young. I think that that there's going to be some growing pains. I mean, you lost one of the best defensive ends in the country of Kayvon Thibodeau going to the Giants. So, so I think that there's going to be some growing pains uh, with his defense. I think they'll be they'll get better as the game goes on. I mean, Washington State, you know, is a team that was undefeated going into this matchup. They they were a team that went on to Madison and beat Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin's been a team uh, that's been up and down. Uh, this season but you know to go on the road in a hostile environment that's a big win but yeah like you mentioned this was you know one of the crazier you know endings we'll talk about even a crazier game uh next uh, on our recap but you know Washington State and Oregon are really you know we're going score for score punch for punch and then Oregon's defense comes out with a pick six uh, to pretty much seal the game uh, it got it up to like a 10 point lead so Washington State didn't eat, have enough time but Man, I mean, when you know, you're talking about like USC and Utah at the top of the Pac-12, but I don't think that Oregon is done yet, especially with the way that the, the offense has been playing. Yeah, for sure. I think Bo Nix found his his calling there in Oregon for now. Uh, after his long stint with Auburn, it seems like he has moved on to bigger and better things and a successful team that he's taken hold of there. And moving on to that crazy game in the SEC. Uh, number 10, Arkansas, went to Jerry's World to face off in a neutral site matchup against Texas A&M. Uh, A&M holds on 23-21 uh, in a heartbreaking loss for Auburn as their kicker going to one off for of the top of the right upright, and it did not go through and uh, ended up falling back into the end zone, and that was pretty much all she wrote there. But for Texas A&M, capitalizing on a big mistake by KJ Jefferson trying to reach over into the end zone in one of the craziest sequences I've seen in college football and uh, ended up getting the ball, ripping it out of his hand, getting the ball and uh, ultimately getting held up. The defender play defender ultimately getting held up for the most part and ended up handing the ball backwards to one of his other teammates who ran all the way down the field uh, basically for a 98-yard touchdown return. And uh, that was kind of the ceiling touchdown there that sealed the deal uh, in the first half. And ultimately, uh, Arkansas never came back from that. Uh, Tyler, for you, what's the one thing that Arkansas has to do? I mean, they've got a tough matchup coming up this week. And uh, this was a lot for them to handle last week. And uh, I know that you and I thought that Arkansas could take care of business here. And uh, they seem to struggle against an A&M team that I, I don't think anybody knows who they are. Yeah, I mean, Arkansas, you know, we look at their schedule right now. They lost to Texas A&M. And, you know, the losses can keep piling up because their next two games, obviously the Alabama game. Then you have Mississippi State uh, on the road. So those are two games, you know, where you have high-powered offenses. I think that Arkansas's defense really struggled against the run here because Devin A. Chain was able to do what he wanted. He had 130 uh, rushing yards. uh and obviously the big hitter for Texas A&M is losing an I.S. Smith. He's going to be out for the season. So now if you're on Texas A&M side, what are you going to do in the passing game? I know, you know, an I.S. Smith was pretty much your guy. He was a fast guy, ran, ran a 4-3, same with A-chain out of the backfield. So, 
you know, A-Chain is pretty much going to have to be the do-it-all from he's going to have to be, you know, catching out the backfield and then running it out of the backfield as well. So uh, Texas A&M, you know, you won the game, but at what cost? You lost one of your best uh, playmakers, and he was also your punt returner as well. So now they're going to have to shuffle, uh, you know, who's going to repunt turns. It'll probably be A-Chain as well. But, I mean, that's, you know, a lot of ass for a young kid, you know, to do everything for your team. But uh, Arkansas, yeah, definitely some concerns uh, in their defensive line, especially in the running game. How are they going to, you know, fare against now Jameer Gibbs and that Alabama rushing attack and I honestly think you know Arkansas's secondary uh was also filled with some holes as well uh, A&M was able to to bust a lot of plays as well but like you mentioned it was a crazy sequence both in that scoop and score to really change the momentum of the ball game and then the doink because okay so what happened was we lost our parlay in eastern Michigan so we were like all right let's try and do another one so Jacob texted me all right we'll do like six of them we South Alabama checked Pretty much we were like 3-0 already. And then this game happens, Arkansas and Texas A&M. Whenever Arkansas was driving down the field, like, all right, well, we're going to go 4-0. And then, like, whenever the doing happened, we were just like surrender Cobras. It was like this. So not a good day for betting, but hopefully uh, we can uh, eventually win, win a parlay. Absolutely, yeah. And I think for me the biggest takeaway in this game is I think – that AM has figured it out at quarterback Max yep. Johnson. I mean, it gives them life. I mean, yeah. We saw, you know, this AM team two weeks ago, Payne's King lose to App State. And now, you know, they, they get a win against Miami. I know now the Miami win doesn't look that great since they just got walled by Middle Tennessee. But to get a top 10 win, you know, against Arkansas, now Texas AM goes on the road to Mississippi State and then they have Bama. So, you know, these next two weeks for this team are going to be huge because, I mean, I mean, the one loss, you know, di- didn't come in the SEC, so they still have everything to play for. Atlanta is still on the table, so this A&M team is definitely not out uh, of a good season. For sure, yeah. They, both of these teams have the same schedule, just flip-flop for the next two weeks, and uh, definitely could see some fireworks happen in the next two weeks in the SEC with these teams involved. Uh, but moving on from that to our one group of five that we're going to recap, Southern Miss holds on in Tulane, uh, a game that – Southern Miss trailed for most of this game and uh, ended up coming back and holding on to a final of 27 to 24, a field goal win uh, for Southern Miss. Big win for that program and that coaching staff there. Tulane is nothing to sneeze at. Like we mentioned, Uh, they did beat K-State earlier in the season a few weeks ago and uh, Southern Miss a good bounce back win for them as one of the new members of the Sun Belt. Uh, Tyler, your takeaway for Southern Miss and how they can be a dark horse in the Sun Belt Conference, and is Tulane season effectively over? Uh, for Southern Miss side, I mean the Sun Belt is stacked. I mean you have teams at the top. Uh, you have well, I don't know about App State now. They're two and two. They just lost to James Mass. I think. Uh, I can't really say James Madison uh, since uh, they're ineligible uh, to be in the Sun Belt title. So pretty much, you know, you have Coastal Carolina at the top. And then South Alabama is a team that no one has been talking about uh, in the Sun Belt. I know that a lot of team, uh, you know, people have been putting their money where their math is on the Jacks because they've covered uh, in every game. But you look at, you know, South Alabama's offense, uh, you know, they are really good. I mean, they put up 30 points in every game. Their defense uh, has, you know, they – Force like I watched the game. Uh, that was one of our parlays. Uh, 
they had like four turnovers in the span of like three minutes. So, I mean, they can turn the ball over as well. For Southern Mississauga, you definitely have, uh, you know, some talent in the run game. You have Frank Gore Jr. He had a good game against uh, Tulane. Uh, like you said, you know, Southern Miss in the past couple of years, they fired like two coaches in, in the span of like five years. So this has been a program that has a lot of history, but in the past couple of years, it's just been down. They haven't been to a bowl game in a couple of years. And for Tulane side, I'm not going to really say that this is going to – their season is over yet. Maybe this was just too much emotion coming off of that big win on the road in Manhattan, Kansas against Kansas State. I think that the American Conference is pretty much wide open. I think that Cincinnati and Houston are going to be at the top. And you'll have probably Tulane and UCF on the second tier. So by no means their season is over. But is this a bad loss? Yeah, especially since, you know, you created all that momentum, you're undefeated, and then you just fall flat at home against Southern Miss, a team that you should have beaten. Yeah, and shifting gears back to you mentioned South Alabama, you know, South Alabama's one loss comes on the road against yeah, a it was power a five. Goal uh, yeah. Uh, against a power five opponent in UCLA had South Alabama held on and win wins that game. If they win that game, they might be in the top 25 with a win like that. So definitely uh, some concern there in some, you know, for, especially for Southern Miss, I mean, you can get left behind pretty quickly by some teams that can pass you up. And uh, a lot of these teams within this conference are very close knit, very close together. And, uh, you know, that really could diminish your recruiting, I mean, from one team to the other. So, because a lot of these schools are only a couple hours apart and uh, can really shift the focus uh, of your team and in, in your overall program going forward for the next four years. Yeah, one more thing uh, for the Sun Belt. I think the good thing is if you're a Southern Miss, you're on the West uh, Division, the East Division is just stacked with Coastal, James Madison, Old Dominion, App State. I mean, you have, like, I'm seeing at the top uh, – you know, South Alabama and Southern Miss are still yet to to play, you know, in Sunbelt Conference play. You have Louisiana Monroe at the top, which is definitely surprising. They got a big win against Louisiana. I think that Louisiana this year, especially, you know, with a new head coach, they're probably not going to win the Sunbelt. You have Troy up there who's one and one. Uh, they got a win against Georgia Southern and then a win against uh, – uh, and then lo- lost to App State. So, I mean, if you're South Alabama and Southern Miss, I mean, you look at your Southern Miss, you're two and two, South Alabama, you're three and one. I mean, I think the West is going to be an easier division this year than the East because the East is stacked. Yeah, for sure. And uh, moving out of that recap and moving on to our reactions for the top 25 and our biggest fallers and our bi- biggest movers up the up the rankings. Uh, it is brought to you by one of our newest sponsors, and that is Fanatics. If you guys go ahead and use our link that is linked in our show, uh, you guys can purchase anything on Fanatics on there. Use the discount code that is available on their website there. And, uh, of course, we get some sort of uh, commission from that purchase, and um, it would help out uh, this show and the Sports Scramble show and Tyler and Wade's SEC talk. Uh, immensely and we could grow a lot faster and uh, get throughout the country a lot faster because we are going coast to coast with college football Uh, so we want to span all that area and you guys can help grow our show and the podcast uh, to bigger and higher uh, levels but moving on from that uh, to our reactions for the AP top 25 Tyler your biggest movers I'll give you two biggest movers in the top 25 and then you're one faller. 
All right, so my two big movers is uh, actually going to be two of them entering the poll. It's going to be the Minnesota Golden Gophers. I mean, I think that a lot of hype right now, everyone's talking about Ohio State. Everyone's talking about Michigan, but poor old Minnesota. They're rowing the boat on their way to 4-0 right now. Uh, they do have a big game at home against uh, Purdue this week. Purdue's uh, been a team that's only have one win on the season. That's against Indiana State. Uh, that's been a team that struggled especially in big games against Syracuse uh, and then Penn State. But, yeah, I feel like every Minnesota game has just been a blowout. I mean, every team that's been on their schedule, they've just been wiping the doors out of them. I, mean, I think their biggest one was this past weekend against Michigan State where they blew – I think they shut them out. It was like 34 to nothing. They, I mean, I was looking at their stats. Michigan – I mean, not Michigan. I've been talking about Michigan too much on the show. Uh, Minnesota has uh, the number two rush defense, and then they're also – uh, also in offense, uh, they're ranked uh, number three uh, just behind Tennessee and Ohio State. So this is a very well-balanced machine. I definitely think, you know, you have talent coming through this. You had Rashad Bateman, who's now in the Baltimore Ravens. So now you have Tanner Morgan, who's been there for like six years. So you have that experience, you know, on the offense and, and the defense side of the ball. So, I mean, Minnesota, you know, look at their schedule. They have Penn State on the road. I definitely think that's going to be a challenge. And then obviously they have Iowa and Wisconsin uh, coming up uh, later in the year. But I think that, you know, this is P.J. Flex, you know, best team that since he's been there since probably that 2019 season, I believe, whenever they're ranked like in the top 10 when they beat uh, Penn State. You have to correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but, you know, I think, that, you know, this could be the year that Minnesota finally – cracks that division title because Iowa looks down, Wisconsin looks down, pretty much that whole division looks down. I think that Minnesota is the best team by far. And then my next big mover is the Florida State Seminoles. This has been a team that I've been lobbying for to get into the top 25. I think that they are deserving. Uh, they were on a bye week this past week, and they have a big test uh, coming up in the ACC against Wake Forest. So, you know, I think with Jordan Travis leading the way, I think that their offense uh, is legit. Their defensive line is a real deal. We saw that in the home opener, not and not in the home opener, the season opener against LSU. So those are my two big movers. So before I get my father, who are you? your two big movers? Uh, first on my big movers list is a fellow Mississippi team, and that is Ole Miss. Mm. I know they didn't move very far up Only there. Only two spots. <laughs> they're creeping up really slowly. And uh, they're working their way back into uh, their New Year's Six spot from last year. Uh, a great football team all around offensively. Defensively, they look really solid. And they're a team in the SEC that I think could surprise a lot of people this year. And I had mentioned that early on in our show for our preview for the season. And I mentioned that in Southern – or sorry, not Southern. Ole Miss is a, uh, a team to look out for uh, because they can score the football fast – and uh, they have great, great talent on both sides of the ball and uh, look forward to them moving even further up, maybe even into the top 10 as some of these teams face off rank rank matchups here uh, in the coming weeks. My other big mover uh, would be a team that is now currently in the top 25. They are sitting at 25, and that is K-State. K-State's at 3-1 and one, uh, after their win against Oklahoma, and uh, they've entered the top 25 now. Exciting for them, exciting for that program. Uh, it's been a while since they've been there, and uh, good for their program. And I, hopefully they move up the rankings a little bit, uh, and that Oklahoma game kind of gives them a boost 
into the Big 12, they can join Baylor and Oklahoma State up there. All right, so now we're going to go on to our biggest faller, and I'm going to go with this, the Texas Longhorns. This has been a team, you know, they were receiving all the hype, even after the loss of Alabama. I think a lot of people think that they should have won that game. I think that, you know, with Quinn Ewers being out, that was definitely a big factor in that game. I mean, there was a lot of hype, you know. A lot of people, you know, were gaining respect and saying, you know, Texas is back. You know, they only lost to the number one team in Alabama, who's been pretty much a a powerhouse in the past decade in college football. But, you know, then you fall flat and, you know, you, you know, you win against UTSA. I know they've been with a backup quarterback and then they lose to in Lubbock in Texas Tech. I put them on upset alert for a reason. Uh, looks, I mean, Texas, uh, this was their first loss uh, in Lubbock since 2008, and that was one of the craziest games in 2008. If you remember, uh, Michael Crabtree had the game-winning touchdown. Can't remember the dude's quarterback, but that man had, like, the game of his life. He was number six. I don't remember his name. I'll have to go look it up at the show, uh, but he, he balled out against Colt McCoy. I mean, that was just, like, the, the game of the year in 2008, but – I think that Texas has fallen flat, uh, especially, you know, this was a year with a lot of high expectations uh, with a really good recruiting class that Sarkeesian brought in, especially of B. John Robinson. I mean, the, the way that the defense played in week two, you thought that they would continue that. Well, that was not the case as Texas Tech was able uh, to really handle that game. So Texas is not back, folks, as they are my biggest follower of the week. Yeah, and for me, I have another big follower as well. And that is the U. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> yes. So Miami has a huge loss to Middle Tennessee State, uh, 45 to 31. Uh, a two touchdown loss at home against a team that was two and one coming into the game. Uh, and I, I don't know if Miami overlooked them or what it was, but <laughs> I mean, it was kind of it was all over the place there, uh, but a great game for Chase Cunningham at quarterback for Middle Tennessee State. Over 400 yards passing, three touchdowns in this game. Uh, a great game there, carrying the ball. Uh, they go with three guys in the in the backfield at Middle Tennessee State, and uh, they all contributed pretty well. Uh, their main back carrying it 19 times for 74 yards. So a, a big air attack there uh, for that team right there. And two guys w- with over 100 yards receiving and uh, ultimately taking down Miami and the Hurricanes there. Uh, so it uh, it looks to be like, you know, the Miami had, well, they've got this quarterback now and he's going to be the prodigy of the ACC. And all of a sudden, here we go again. You mentioned him that game, too. Yeah. And it seems to be like, you know, we go back and we look at the whole, well, Manny Diaz wasn't doing anything. He wasn't the right guy for the job. And he ultimately ended up leaving. And and now he's uh, with Penn State now at defensive coordinator. But really, the load of it was thrown on the coaching staff. And at some point it can't be thrown on the coaching staff anymore. And players just go out and got to go out and play. I don't think that's a, it's a coaching mistake um, in a game like this. I just don't think the guys played to their full potential. I mean, you're down 24 to 10 at half uh, to a team that is basically considered 
a no contest. You're playing at home, and uh, you can't figure it out in the second half, and he ended up matching them shot for shot, and they still win by 14. So uh, this is a Miami offense that we saw put up tons of points early on in the season. We're like, wow, this this might be something. They might be an all-out air raid offense uh, for the year, and we got to pay attention to how many points they're putting up. To They're losing a, a cupcake game to Middle Tennessee State. And uh, props to Middle Tennessee State, though, uh, a big win for them. They're 3-1 and one now. Uh, and hopefully, you know, they got UTSA on the agenda this week. And uh, that'll be a big matchup there. Uh, and maybe they can pull out a win at home against UTSA. I tell you what, I have no idea who's going to win this Coastal Division. It's like the Big Ten West. I mean, you have Miami collapsing. You have North Carolina looking not so great against uh, Notre Dame uh, this week. Uh, they're high-powered uh, Offense is great, but their defense is like one of the worst. Uh, and you know, they gave up 40, 40 points to a Notre Dame team that you know that was barely scoring, you know, over 20 points. So, I don't know who's gonna win that uh, the coastal division. It might even be Duke at this rate, <laughs> it might be, it might be. And uh, we might be looking at a Duke ACC <laughs> champion in a, in a Kansas, a uh, Big 12 champion. It's gonna be looking like a, like a March Madness uh, segment of uh, college football edition. <laughs> Uh, come to the end of the season here as uh, those are two big basketball schools and uh, they look like they're they're moving along here in football and, and figuring something out. But moving on from our AP Top 25 into our games of the week, opening up with, of course, the ACC as always, because it begins with, begins with an A and it become, it comes at the beginning of the alphabet. It's so not because they're the, the best and the best Power 5 conference. That's why they're not first. <laughs> and the game that we have on our agenda, of course, are two top 25 games. And uh, one is close to not being a top 25 game, barely. <laughs> Whoever uh, loses is out, pretty yes. much. And Wake Forest is going on the road uh, to Tallahassee to play against Florida State, who's at 23. So it's a 22-23 matchup here. Uh, good game, I think. It'll be quarterback position is something to watch here. And at home, if Travis is healthy, then I think Florida State wins this game at home. Uh, as for Wake Forest, I think Wake Forest has to rely on the defense in this game. Uh, offensively, they can put points up. 45 points a game is enough to win a game. But you have to have a strong defense, especially against Florida State. Their quarterback likes to get out of the pocket, run a little bit, and uh, quite frankly – I think he's probably second on my list as far as college quarterbacks go that I've seen scramble out of the pocket and be able to deliver a cannon on the move uh, is incredible with the amount of uh, power he can throw the ball. I mean, I watched him throw against like across his body uh, to a receiver in absolutely laser of a throw right on the money in uh He's very accurate at quarterback, and, and it seems like if Florida State is still undefeated after a week like this, at the quarterback position, we have to be talking about uh, Jordan Travis and potentially their backup, uh, who's also a great a great quarterback there as well. Yeah, I definitely think that Jordan Travis with the bye week is going to be able to play and be healthy in this one. But like you said, I mean – Last time we saw this team, uh, the backup did pretty pretty dang good against uh, Louisville in their win uh, on the road. Uh, but 
I'm not really concerned with both of these offenses. They've shown that they can score. I think the advantage for defense is easy for me. And Florida State's defense is way better than Wake Forest. Wake Forest can't can't stop anyone. Uh, so I think that Florida State will be able to do what they want in this one. It's at home. Uh, the Tomahawk chop is going to be chopping. And I think that Florida State is going to continue their undefeated stretch as Wake Forest will, con- will uh, start their downward spiral. As, but this is t- really two back-to-back uh, tough games for Wake Forest. You're coming off that you know, emotional loss. How are you going to bounce back? You have to go on the road to a tough environment. I think that Florida State fans are definitely bought into this year what Mike Norvell has been doing. So I think that Florida State gets it done in a close battle, like a 38-35 to 35 type of game. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Knowles in this one. I literally thought about the same score as you. <laughs> I mean, um, it's, so, yeah. it's going to be a lot of points. I just think I'll that the offense 38-35 as well. I'm pretty – I'm pretty confident in that score. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a, a field goal game at the end of this game. But Florida State, I think, is uh, a way better all-around team than Wake Forest right now. I can't believe I'm saying that. Oh, uh, you wouldn't have said that last year. <laughs> wouldn't have said it last year as I had Wake Forest in the ACC championship. Uh, but I think Florida State now is the better team. And uh, after another win here, we could see them inside the top 20 uh, for week six. Uh, and moving on to our second game in the ACC it's a top 10 matchup. Uh, NC State, yes, is still hanging on at number 10. And uh, they're going on the road to face off against Clemson, who's still the number five team in the country. They held on in overtime against Wake Forest and ended up holding on to their spot at number five. Uh, first of all, Tyler, do you think they should have hold, held on to their spot at number five or USC sitting at six right now? Should USC have jumped them to number five? No, because USC only won by three against an unranked uh, Oregon State team. I mean, at least Wake Forest was a top. Uh, I think they were like number fifteen or sixteen at the time, so they mm-hmm. they were up there. Uh, so that was, you know, it was on the road. I know that they struggled, but you know, they put up fifty-one points. I mean, USC only put up seventeen points against Oregon State. But in this matchup, like you said, I mean, I'm not really looking at NC State as a number ten team. They haven't shown in their number ten team. Uh, going all the way back to their opener against East Carolina. They probably should have lost that if East Carolina you know, could kick a field goal through the upright. So, but that's nothing against him. Uh, but I just think that this NC State team is yet you know, to have their best game of the season. They played Texas Tech good. Their defense was able to hold strong. I think their defense will also be challenged again. Looks like Clemson's offense is looking to find their rhythm. Uh, but I think that, you know, NC State, uh, like Wake Forest, has the offense and has the quarterback to really contest with Clemson, especially with Devin Leary leading the charge. But since it's in Clemson, I think I'm going to go with the Tigers in this one. Uh, this has been a back-and-forth battle between these two teams in the past couple of years, but got to go with Clemson just because it's at home. And I just think that this this team is, is really uh, rolling. Yeah, this is an intriguing game for me. Uh the Wolfpack, yes, like you mentioned, they have they don't they haven't played like a top ten team. Kind of got that Michigan effect where they haven't really played anybody to show their full potential uh, and to see how they can match up. And this is going to be a huge test. Uh, we all remember what happened last year uh, at NC State. They got a big upset win against Clemson, and Clemson ultimately ended up falling down the rankings quite a ways and uh, were a non-factor last year. And NC State, uh, after that, kind of held on a little bit. And then they started to diminish as the season went on and ultimately didn't make it, uh, having trouble getting past uh, Wake Forest and Pitt. But 
I think this game ultimately is a stepping stone for NC State more than Clemson. Uh, I'm going to go with the upset pick here. I'm going to take NC State to beat Clemson. Clemson was too close to call last week against a Wake Forest team that didn't look very good at all, all around. Uh, They gave up 45 points to Wake Forest and ended up having to go to overtime to figure it out. Uh, I don't think NC State's going to make the same mistakes on defense that Wake Forest did, and I think they're all around better, more experience all around. As Wake Forest have more experience at quarterback, I think they just have – I think NC State has a little bit more experience all around, especially on defense in that secondary seasoned veterans. Uh, I believe only lost one guy on the defensive starting 11 guys. So I think uh, this is going to be a big game for them. I think they're, they've circled this on the calendar and uh, I think they're going to win this game. I I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game. I'm going to go 24, 21 in this one. It's going to be a grinded out battle in this one uh, to see who takes it home. And I think NC state can get one on the road. But uh, moving on from the ACC into the Big 12, uh, another top 10 uh, – not top 10, sorry, top 25 matchup, almost top 15. Uh, Oklahoma State going on the road to face off against the Baylor Bears in Waco. Uh, big game here. Arguably the two best teams in the Big 12 outside of Kansas, who's still not in the top 25. But we'll get to them in a minute. But – Oklahoma State going on the road to Baylor. Uh, this is a team that will – for <laughs> Oklahoma State, no defense, a lot of offense versus Baylor, who's pretty balanced. Uh, Tyler, who do you think takes it home in this one? This is tough for me because I am very high on this Oklahoma State uh, team, but this is also in Waco. This is a tough uh, road trip uh, for Oklahoma State. Like you mentioned, Spencer Sanders, the quarterback there, I mean – they can score on anybody. I don't know. I don't even care if it's Baylor's defense, but their defense is, is just, I don't know. I, I, it's not bad, but I mean, they gave up like 44 points to Central Michigan, and that was the same team that just went on the road to Penn State. Uh, and then Oklahoma State, you know, uh, had, their defense has improved. I mean, in the Arizona State game, uh, they improved there, but you can't really say anything about Arizona State now since they don't really have a head coach. But this is definitely a de facto Big 12 championship game for me. I think whoever wins this one is pretty much a lock to be in the Big 12 championship. I mean, Baylor is a one loss, but their loss came out of the conference. A tough road trip for BYU. But like you mentioned, Baylor is a very balanced team. The quarterback play this past weekend was spectacular on the road at Ames, Iowa. Baylor was able to put up 31 points against a scrappy Iowa State team. So, with that being at home, if this was in Stillwater, I'd probably go with the Cowboys. But since it's in Waco, I'm going to go with the Baylor Bears and a close one. I will say uh, I think that the winner will get into the 30s. I think that these offenses are too talented for that. So I'll go 31-28 Baylor. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm going to agree with you on the upset pick here. I think I'm going to take Baylor at home as well. I think I really see it as upset, though. I mean, both of these teams are very even. Yeah, they're pretty even on, like, the ranking show. I mean, that one loss to BYU kind of dropped Baylor a little bit, uh, but pretty evenly matched as far as offensive threat goes. Defense is the biggest thing for me in this one. If Baylor can take care of the take care of turnovers and capitalize on them, if they get a, a fumble recovery in Oklahoma State's end, 
uh, a pick six. I mean, if Sanders throws a couple interceptions, this game could be over fast um, because Baylor is not one to uh, miss out on mistakes from the other team. Uh, so I've got Baylor winning this one at home as well. I think I'm going to go 35-28. I'll give it a touchdown win. Uh, but I, I think Baylor, they're my pick. They were my pick to go to the Big 12 championship, so I have to roll with them. Uh, I just think that they're the more balanced team. And I like balance versus all-out offensive threat, I think. And uh, I guess that's just me coming from a background of, of defense, <laughs> watching yep. so much of the Big Ten. Uh, defense Your gets me fired up. Like- 12,000 punts in a game and ending like five to three. (laughs) Absolutely. And moving on to our second game, Iowa State going on the road to face off against Kansas. Uh, Man, so a battle of a team, a one-loss Iowa State team and an undefeated Kansas. Kind of interesting to think that Kansas is undefeated right now at 4-0. It's this is in basketball, right? Yeah. So I, I gotta sometimes I gotta think if this is football or basketball we're talking about. Uh, but no, their team they look completely different. I mean, it's not the Kansas of old, and this is uh, very new and exciting for that program at KU. Uh, as for Iowa State, if they want to win this game at Kansas, Kansas seems to be building momentum every week. I think if Iowa, if Iowa State wants to win this game in Kansas, what's it going to be, Tyler? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, honestly, this is this is one of the more hotter teams uh, in college football. A lot of people need to put more respect on their quarterback, Jalen Daniels. I mean, I want to see that man on the Heisman Trophy ceremony. I don't care. I, I'm tired of seeing, you know, a, a Georgia quarterback and then Alabama quarterback every now and then. Get a Kansas quarterback out there. Like, come on, like get some of these, you know, smaller programs that haven't had like much success. I mean, if Kansas, you know, runs the table, I think he definitely deserves it. I think if they go like 10 and two or better, which is just crazy to think about Kansas going that that good. I don't think anyone had this Kansas team even winning four games uh, this season, the way that their schedule lined up. But I think that uh, Iowa state uh, will be able to find the end zone in this game. I mean, Kansas's defense has been up and down. Duke was able to find success uh, in their game against the Jayhawks, but the problem is, can you stop this Kansas offense? I mean, Jalen Daniels, I mean, has been just tearing it up the field. I mean, both of his legs uh, and through the air. So I'm not going to pick against Kansas. I do think that this is going to be a close game. Iowa State is very scrappy. Uh, This is going to be a raucous environment, probably going to be another sold-out environment. Uh, So I'm going to go rock chop Jayhawk here. I'm going to give them the 38-31 to victory against the Colognes. I still, I, I just can't get over the fact that we're saying we got to watch out for the lethal offense of Kansas. <laughs> going, this team could barely move the ball last year. That's, That's the beauty crazy. of 2022, folks. You it's just crazy. Clean all the slate. hype is around Kansas. Everybody got a clean slate. Uh, could you imagine seeing a Baylor in Kansas? Big dog. Can you imagine seeing Kansas? You know, being the the playoff against like the number one seed Alabama. You know, it's just, I but, saw like one. I actually saw something. I saw like I think it was like CBS Sports. They did like their bowl projections, and guess who was in the Sugar Bowl? Alabama versus Kansas. What a joy! Out. I might have to you don't know, go to New Orleans just to see Kansas if that happens. That's crazy to me. But what's even more wild is that if you know, we talk about Heisman. 
if their quarterback, if he can somehow make it to the Heisman Trophy presentation and the ceremony and everything, he would be the first since Lamar Jackson basically to be there as a team. I mean, I I know it's different considering you know it still is Power Five. Uh, but a team that's one like really, the powerhouse programs. Yeah, you know, it's not a big program. Uh, so I think it would be fantastic for him, fantastic for that Kansas program. I think they're going to get a lot more recruiting in the Big 12 now, especially with Oklahoma and I think Lance uh, Texas. Is doing a phenomenal job coaching. Yes. I think they got they they I mean they've been through like so many coaches in the past couple of years. I think they got the right guy finally. Yeah, I just didn't think Les Miles was the answer in Kansas and was kind of a rebound. Too stubborn. Yeah, and uh, they needed a fresh look and a fresh start, and they got it, and they're 4-0, and and I'm going to roll with them as well. I think they can go 5-0 and to start the start the season. I, I mean, still that's can even imagine. 5-0, <laughs> almost halfway through the season, and they will have no losses. That would be unbelievable. I think they'll win this game. I don't think this is a big offensive shootout. Uh, I'm going to go 24-21 in this one. I'll take Kansas at home. Uh, I just think they're the better team all around, and that that's going to make me laugh saying that. Uh, so, but I I think they're the better team. But moving on to the Big Ten, uh, good matchups here this week as well. Uh, Michigan, after their close win at home, have to make a trip to Iowa City to play the Iowa Hawkeyes in Kinnick. Uh, Tyler, who comes out on top in this one? Is it the high-powered offense of Michigan that we've seen the beginning of the season, or is it the ultimate defense that scores more points on offense than their offense? Yeah, I was feeling really good about Michigan until last week of of the hype. I, I was buying into their hype, and now I don't know. Like, I mean, that was – I mean, I think they definitely got a wake-up call in this game. We'll see if they can answer the bell. I know that Iowa's offense isn't the greatest, but still playing at Kinnick, I know that this is – I believe it's the big noon kickoff so that's yes. unfortunate for iowa fans having to deal with an 11 o'clock kickoff uh there would definitely be a more hostile environment uh if it was at night but i still think that their environment uh, will be good enough uh, to keep iowa close in this game especially with their defense i think that iowa's defense is one of the best in the big 10 uh, penn state also has one of the best uh as well ohio state uh we'll see i didn't think that jim Knowles is doing a good job uh, up there the former oklahoma state defensive coordinator but Going on to Michigan, I think that if they can't really get their running game going, that's going to be a big uh-oh for Michigan fans in this one because Blake Corm is pretty much, you know, putting the team on his back and saying, all right, let's go, boys. Right, but so if Blake Corm can't go in this one, uh, J.J. McCarthy, this is pretty much his first road test. I mean, Michigan has played in the big house for the first four weeks, so this is going to be a, his big road test. I think that he's going to have a couple of mistakes. I think there's going to be some growing pains. I think it's going to be an ugly game. I think that Michigan – is going to look so great in this one, but I do have them escaping at the end. I'll give them the 17 to 10 win over Iowa. Yeah. Uh, so here, I'll throw it at you right now. I've got the Hawkeyes winning uh, I at home. That. Uh, Michigan just doesn't seem the team they were for the first couple of weeks. Of course, they didn't play anybody really. Uh, they played the peanut gallery for the first couple of weeks, and it's time that they play somebody. And Iowa's not a perfect program this year. They're not exactly uh, the team to take a, take your breath away in the Big Ten West this year. Uh, we'll get to like them. That song. Yeah, yeah. So 
it is a game here. Like you said, it's going to be a messy game. Uh, I think Iowa wins this game because it's a messy game. Uh, I think they're more seasoned in that department of dealing with messy games, uh, especially with their in-state counterpart in the Iowa season State. has been messy That's pretty much. always messy. So it's always messy there. And uh, I'm going to have them winning. Ready for this? I'm going to go 14-7 to Iowa at home. I think Michigan scores one time with a running back in, in quorum, but I don't think they can score again. It'll be very tough uh, for them to score in that environment, and it's going to be a grinded-out game. But uh, I've got Iowa hanging on at home and upsetting Michigan. Michigan's going to fall a long ways. Yeah, if they lose this one, they'll be uh, in like 17-18 range. Yes, and I think they would be a non-factor if they lose another game, they still have to play Penn State and Ohio State. Oh, yeah, they're going to lose at least one or two more games if they – I mean, they're not going to go 2-0 and against Penn State and Ohio State. No, it, it would be very tough with a, with a loss uh, at Iowa. But moving on from this, Purdue, uh, with a rough start to the year this year, is going on the road to play the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Still got to be the coolest name, the Golden Gophers. It's, it's fantastic. I love it. Uh and the Gophers are 21 currently in the country. They're undefeated, steamrolling some people this year. Uh, big win against Michigan State last week. I mean, only held Michigan State to, what, seven points? Yeah, it was something uh, like that. I don't think they shut them out, but it was like 38-7, something like that. That is rough for a Michigan State team that was playing at home. And uh, Minnesota came in there and shut them down, and they look great. Uh, and they're my pick in the Big Ten West right now. To come out in the Big Ten West, they're fantastic, and uh, I expect them to blow the doors off of Purdue, especially being at home. Uh, this game, I think they'll go. Uh, man, I'm gonna go 42 to 14. I'll give it to Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm get your words out. We're rowing the boat uh, this weekend for Minnesota. I got Minnesota in this one. I see this one as a complete overmatch. I mean, Purdue's offense, you know, if they know O'Connell, they have the experience, but their defense just looks completely out of sorts. So they lost, you know, George Karloftis last year, and that was pretty much the face of their defense last year. That's why they were so good. I know it's just one player, but, you know, that one player can really affect, you know, Purdue is young. Uh, they also lost, you know, some key weapons in the receivers uh, to the NFL as well. So, you know, Purdue – you know, I picked them to win the Big Ten West. I'm going to go ahead and take that back. I'm going to hop on the boat here with P.J. Fleck the rest of the way. So I'm at Minnesota win this one. I think that they cruise in this matchup. Purdue really isn't the team that I really thought that they were going to be. I'm going to go Minnesota. I guess I, I pretty much agree. If you're score 42-14, to 14, I'll up it. I'll go 45-13. Okay. And uh, moving on from the Big Ten to the Pack Attack, we're heading out west. Uh, number 15, Washington, uh, led by Michael Penix Jr., is headed down to L.A. to play in the Rose Bowl against UCLA and the Bruins. Uh, big matchup here. Point spread is not very far apart. They're expecting this to be a close matchup. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm expecting Washington to come in. I think the Huskies will take care of business here. I think them being 15 – uh, it doesn't put pressure on them, sure, but I think they're ready for the challenge. I think uh, it's about time that they come back and revisit the top 25 and say, hey, we're back. And uh, I think this is this is the season that that's going to happen. Uh, I think they can stay in that 15 range season long. Uh, 
But I think they get a big win here on the road at UCLA. UCLA has struggled against group of five teams this year uh, and not really had great success, I think, uh, to open the season. So I've got the Huskies winning big in this one. Uh, I'm going to go 34-14. I think they can take care of business. Yeah, I feel like every every year that we do this show, I always have that one team that I pick every week and week out. This year it's Washington. I mean, I ha- I picked them uh, a couple of weeks ago to upset Michigan State, and they really uh, played well. And this is a, a road test. I wouldn't really call this a road test because uh, the Rose Bowl had like 500 fans in the past like couple yeah. uh, of two weeks uh, of the season. The attendance hasn't been bad. I'm, I mean, obviously, you know, it's 100 degrees out there. I wouldn't be out, wanting to be out there. I don't care if my team is 12-0 or not. Uh, but, you know, UCLA is undefeated, but, you know, I circle back to that South Alabama game. I, don't, I think we're going to learn a lot about that game, whether South Alabama is really, really good or UCLA is not so great. Uh, so I think that this is going to be the test here uh, in the Pac-12. I think this is going to be a really good game. I don't really see this as a blowout, as you're saying. I think this is going to be more a defensive battle. I think I have more faith in Michael Penix. Uh, he has more experience. Uh, but Dorian Thompson-Robinson is also a very good quarterback. Uh, he's a dual-threat quarterback as well. Uh, so I'm going to get Washington the road win here. I think it's going to be very close. Both teams will get into the 20s. Uh, I'll go 24 uh, 24- uh, 20 uh, Washington in this one. All right. And then moving on to our second game, Oregon State coming off only after a touchdown loss to USC. They're headed to Utah to play the number 12 Utes. Uh, good matchup here, I think. I think it lines up well on Oregon State's schedule. And here's why. They played a good team last week. They battled them tooth and nail to the very to the very end. Excuse me. I think that they'll be ready for this one, especially after last week. I think they're going to come into this game and say, look, we only lost by a touchdown. One mistake caused us the loss in that game. I think they're going to look at this and say, Utah is not what they are. We need to come in and dominate this team on the road. Uh, I think Oregon State gets the win at Utah. I think it proves that Utah could be a two-loss team early in the season and it, it could tell the story, I think, for the Pac-12. It could tell the story of USC as the team to beat and or a team like Washington as well, you know, stepping up. But I think Oregon State is a team that can upset some teams, kind of like a Maryland does in the Big Ten. Uh, so I've got Oregon State winning this one. Very, very close game. A uh, lot of offense in this game. I'm going to go 38-35. I think they hang on for a three-point victory on the road. Man, giving up on Utah this early? Shoot, you had them in the playoff, and now you have them already two losses uh, going into October. Things, but li- things have changed fast. Look at here. <laughs> Look at here. I know that a lot of people are probably going to think that this is a sexy upset pick. Oregon State only lost by three. But this is not at, at Beaver Stadium. This is at Utah. Utah never ever loses at home especially if it's a night game it is a night game on the west coast they never never pick against them so i'm gonna go utah i don't think this is gonna be close i think a lot of people are really buying into oregon state utah is the the same team that i was looking at last year i'm still buying into utah they did lose uh in their in the road opener against florida florida already has two losses uh, to tennessee and kentucky both in the sec so it looks like florida is in for an up-and-down year. I think that Utah still has the pieces of both on defense. 
uh, to really match uh, Oregon State. And I think that Oregon State's defense is going to have – I mean, they held, uh, you know, one of the best offenses in Cale Williams. So I think this is going to be more defensive battle once again. But I got Utah uh, winning this one. I'll say 24-14. to 14. All right. And moving on from the Pac-12 back to the south, we're headed to the SEC for the games of the week here in a top 15 matchup. Kentucky number seven right now, moving up really sneaky. Uh, and I think they're a great pick currently in the SEC uh, to move up even further and give Alabama a run for their money. Uh, Kentucky is going to Oxford to play against Ole Miss, who's ranked at 14. Great game here. Uh, I think whoever wins this game has the best shot at beating Alabama uh, and I think is the best bet for for the conference other than them in Georgia. And uh, I'm going to go with Kentucky. I think Kentucky can get handle business on the road. Uh, veteran quarterback Will Levis, uh, he's my pick for the Heisman Trophy, actually. And uh, I think he is a great all-around quarterback, of course, coming from Penn State. So there's a tiny bit of bias there, but a big guy and a physical quarterback. And uh, he can command an offense very well, has grown a lot. And I think he is – I think he's the best quarterback in the SEC currently. Uh, I think he's better than Bryce Young up to this point all around. And uh, I've got Kentucky coming in and taking care of business. Close game. Close game. I'm going to go 28-26, and I'm going to give it to Kentucky. Wacky score, but I'll, I'll take Someone it. Someone gets a safety or something. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think that these are two uh, very even teams, two very balanced teams. I think, you know, their defenses are better than people assume. I mean, these are two of the more legit SEC defense that you see in the league. Uh, but I think offense-wise, you know, Ole Miss, uh, there is a problem for me. Uh, Jackson Dart uh, hasn't really shown it to me. I mean, it's hard to compare, you know, with Matt Corral's, you know, being there for a couple of years and you have Jackson Dart. He's no Matt Corral just yet. Maybe he shows it this week against Kentucky. Uh, but Kentucky is getting a big piece back. Chris Rodriguez, uh, junior, their talented back, is back from, a, a, I think it was like a three or four game suspension. So Cavazzi Smoke has been uh, banned down the hatches. So Ole Miss, you know, really relies on the run game. They're in the top five in the NCAA in rush attack. So I think that Kentucky is going to really balance uh, their defense and stop them. I think I'm going to go with the Cats on the road. I'm going to go Big Blue Nation to pull off this win. I think it's going to be kind of like similar to your score. I'll go 27-24. Yeah. And uh, moving on to our second SEC matchup, number 12 Al- – number 12 – number 2 Alabama. I'm sorry. They were number 12 and <laughs> undefeated oh, number 12. What's going on? The number two Alabama uh, is going on the road to Wu-Peg Sui in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And uh, this could be the makings of a very interesting game. This oh could be an Alabama-Texas matchup all over again. and uh, Or it could be an Alabama blowout. It could be. And uh, this one, I'm going to go kind of fall in between it. And I'm going to have Alabama hang on for a win here. I think they win by 14 in this one. Uh, High-scoring shootout in this one. So I'm going to go 45-31 in this one. Yes, I think they will have the over big time. The over-under is set at 61, and I think it's going to get blown out of the water in this game. 
Geez, a lot of offense. Uh, I mean, these are, you know, KJ Jefferson has shown that. I think that Raheem, Raheem Sanders, excuse me, is going to be a big part for Arkansas. If he can get it going, I think that Arkansas is going to keep this one close. Uh, I mean, just like we said earlier in the show, there is concern with this Arkansas defense. I mean, you go, you know, you give up 23 points to an A&M, defense, A&M offense that hasn't been able to score really at will. Now you have an Alabama team that just put up 55 against Vanderbilt, 63 against ULM after their 19 points that they put up against Texas. So I think that Alabama has woken up after that uh, Texas game. That was a wake up call. So this is, they've already had a road test. So I'm not really concerned with Alabama. I mean, Arkansas is trying to do a red out uh, and, you know, get, pull out all the stops to beat them. But this is going to be just another Alabama. Uh, showing in this one. I have them winning 38 to 21. I think that Arkansas is just too overmatched in this one. Yeah. And then moving on from our power fives into the group of five matchup of the week. And it's two service academies going at it. I've got Navy at Air Force on the list here. I told Tyler, said we have to do this game. I said, this is a good game here to do. Uh, I think you mentioned, you know, tail of the tape is running games for both of these teams. We talked about it a little bit. Uh, Navy's always been a running offense. But for Air Force, as you had mentioned to me previously, you know, Air Force is the number one rushing team in the country. And that's uh, not even close. Not even close. I think it's almost double digit, double it's what? like 412 it's average rushing yards, and then Minnesota is like 293 a game. Yeah. But, I mean, that is wild. Over 400 yards of rushing average per game is wild. Their quarterback must be well-rested and uh, doesn't have to ice his uh, shoulder or elbow down very much after their games. Uh, But I think this one, uh, it's service academies. They're going to go at it, and they're looking for blood. Like, this is going to be a big big game for these two schools uh, within their respected, you know, circle there that – it could be very close, or it could be Air Force coming out and absolutely blowing the doors off of Navy. Navy having a big win in overtime against East Carolina last week. So they're riding high. Uh, it's going to, I think it'll be somewhat close. It's going to be quite a bit of offense, I think, um, at least for these two teams. I'm going to go 31 28. I'll give it to Air Force to win by three. Uh, just because there's a lot of running in this game, and they're going to bleed the clock as much as possible between these two teams. So I'm going to go to the Air Force's jingle here. Nothing can stop the U.S. Air Force, and that's exactly what's going to happen here. Navy won't be able to stop the Air Force's running attack. I do think that, you know, this is the Navy-Air Force game. I think that Navy, you know, as a team, you know, Air Force has the advantage overall. But, I mean, Navy, you know, played East Carolina well. They won that game Uh I believe is that on the road in East Carolina. Now they have to go on the road again to Colorado. And so this is a Navy team that lost to Delaware and they, they only put up seven points, but it looks like they figured out their offense last week against East Carolina. Air Force's defense is really, you know, have been giving up points uh, left and right. Uh, so I think that Navy will be able to score with them. The overs at 39. I think that's just way low for me. Uh, definitely take the over if you're a betting man, but I think I'm going to go Air Force in this one. Uh, I will give, uh, I think that the winner of this game ultimately uh, will get into the 30s, uh, but I'll go 34-24. I think that Air Force is just a better team. They'll show that in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and that is all for our look ahead for games of the week uh, for the Power Five and our one group of five 
uh, love there. And we have to show the group of five some love every week. And moving on from there, we're going to go to our news, which is brought to you by Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company. If you guys want to check them out, they are in the Houston metro area. Uh, our boy Chet over there from the Sports Scramble podcast uh, lives close by, and he's visit out there with them. And uh, on our other show on Sports Scramble, doing a little giveaway over there. Uh, you guys can tune into that over on the other channel. And uh, the, they have great beer, huge selection to choose from. Not only beer, they do have some seltzers and everything else in between. There, so they're running a great operation there. If you guys want to check them out, head over to Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company and uh, try some try some of it out. Uh, moving on now to our news, we'll stay with the group of five. Uh, well, not kind of, no, not really. <laughs> they're but, playing like a group of five. <laughs> yeah, they play like a group of five. Basically, uh, they're having trouble, and the trouble starts at the head coach position and. The AD position, Georgia Tech has fired their head coach and AD uh, after a rough start to the season. What what is there for Georgia Tech going forward? I mean, you you struggle. You know, I thought that they would be more of a team to give somebody like Clemson some trouble. They always do, and they just they don't look any good. They look flat. They look really flat, and they're just. They're not playing to their full potential in that triple option uh, offense that they've always ran. Yeah, I definitely think, you know, that they played Clemson really good for a half. I mean, that was, you know, the best half that they played after that. You know, the second half on, then the season on, I mean, Georgia Tech has just been a completely different team. Their defense just look awful. Their offense can't really find any rhythm. They actually don't run the triple option anymore. That was the old – ball coach there now they run like a pro style offense of jeff collins now he's not there i honestly you know i honestly would you know keep brian harson's name because if he you know gets fired i think that he could go right towards georgia tech because i think that you know brian harson did good at boise state i think that everyone (laughs) so far has been doing at boise state i think that the current coach is struggling they're two and two uh right now but you know i feel like you know brian harson you know just isn't right uh, for the SEC, so I think he may be more for like a, a job like Georgia Tech. Uh, I mean, you're in the Atlanta area. You definitely have a lot of recruits there. But the problem is you have the University of Georgia who pretty much goes in your backyard and steals them right from you. So um, I either think that, you know, Georgia Tech is just going to go uh, for one of these, you know, group of five schools. But the problem is for Georgia Tech, you have already Nebraska open, Arizona State open, and those are – two better programs, uh, especially Nebraska. I think that Georgia Tech and Arizona State are pretty much uh, even programs. But as of late, you know, Arizona State has been the program. Uh, Georgia Tech really hasn't, you know, they've had like a 10-win season. They're ranking the top 10 in like 2009, 2008, but they haven't been the same since. So I think that they're going to have to go to the group of five level to find their next head ball coach. Yeah, it, it looks like they need to go back to the drama. I like the, I like the Harson pick. I think that it uh, it's it could be a good fit there. Also, I've talked about Coastal Carolina's yeah. head coach moving on from their school. Uh, he's on the radar for a lot of schools to go out and get, and uh, he seems to be you know, focused on Coastal Carolina. But that's part of the co- coaching mantra, you know, of stay focused on on the season uh, at hand. But I think once the offseason rolls around, I think we could see a big move. 
from another, you know, big school to a small school like Georgia Tech is and uh, really boost that program up from the from the start uh, on to another news piece. And speaking of boost, uh, geez, it was like the Energizer Bunny meets uh, limp mode in a car. Uh, Stephen F. Austin. Yes, Stephen F. Austin wins a football game. Sure. Doesn't matter. You know, they win a football game. It's not a radio game either. (laughs) You know, folks, this is not, yeah, this is not NCAA 14. This is an actual football game uh, where they faced off against Werner and absolutely blew the doors off of them. It wasn't 64 to nothing. It wasn't 77 to nothing, folks. It was 98 to nothing. 98 to nothing. And they missed a two-point conversion, and they chose, I guess, not to go for the two-point conversion. Sportsmanship. As a yeah, sportsmanship, it's 98 to nothing. Up 98 to nothing, guys. So Let's do sportsmanship. Pissed. I was so pissed that they didn't just go for the 100 points at this point. Just go for the 100 points. What's what is the point of the sportsmanship? You've already scored 98 points. See, there is no sportsmanship. I played in 14. If I was up 98 to nothing, I don't care about the sportsmanship. I'm going for 100 points. So I think that they should have had the same mindset, but. You know, this Stephen F. Austin program, I, I've been following the Southland Conference for a couple of years. I mean, that, this was a team that was a Southland Conference juggernaut, and then they moved to the, the Western Athletic Conference uh, along with a couple of teams that uh, pretty much like a couple of teams from the Southland moved over to the Western Athletic Conference. I know this is, you know, going to sin a lot. I think that, you know, Stephen F. Austin, you know, is a powerhouse in FCS, you know, could be the next James Madison to get a bid. I, I could see them going to the Conference USA and boosting that conference. Yeah, yeah, they look fantastic. And they, I think they had four quarterbacks in this game. It just makes sense because there's a lot of, you know, Texas schools in, sure. in the Conference USA. Sure, absolutely. And 98, 98 to nothing. I mean, that's <laughs> atrocious. I mean, that's that's a glorified that's beat. Now. Yeah. And uh, should just cancel their football program after that. Yeah, I hate to say it, but yeah, you, you couldn't even score. Uh, that's pretty bad. Um, but as far as the news goes, that's all for our news, but onto our parlay from last week, we can talk a, a briefly about our parlay from last week yeah. and how atrocious it was. Uh, we just couldn't get anything going right. Nothing. And it, uh, trying to rebound, you know, this week, now that we're in the conference play now, uh, lines look a little bit closer, two and a half point lines all over the place. Uh, some other games where we're scratching our heads going, really? These people are on, they might be playing on the road, but the home team is favored. And, uh, we're really scratching our heads saying, why yeah, is like, the road team favored? Like Iowa State is favored at Kansas week, this week. That was a definitely a head scratcher I saw. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I just feel like Kansas wouldn't be the better team in that situation, but it just seems that here we go. We're going to get into the meat and potatoes things. Hopefully we can finally hit on a parlay. Uh, I would love to hit on one before we get halfway through the halfway through the season. Um, Cause once we get further down the line, it's just going to be harder and harder in order to get some. So uh, we're trying our hardest guys. Yeah. And of course we will give you guys our parlay and you guys can see the parlay uh, as soon as we have it up for, for the weekend, we'll put that out there for everybody. But as for the show, we're over the hour mark, well over the hour mark. Uh, I mean, it's going to be like that once we get into conference play. Sure, sure, absolutely. 
And of course, it is Wednesday, guys. Don't have to check your phone or your calendar. It is Wednesday. We are two days late. Yeah, uh, I had jury duty, and yes. then uh, Tyler had jury duty, and I had some other down things. homework. Yeah, and I had some other things to do yesterday that kind of bogged me down. But uh, we wanted to get get this guys get this out for you guys uh, for the weekend coming up. Some great games to watch, uh, and of course, if you guys want to see more of our content. You guys can head over to Facebook to CFB Coast to Coast or on Twitter at CFB underscore Coast to Coast. That's CFB underscore Coast, the number two in Coast. Uh, so if you guys want to go check us out over there and uh, watch us on any other platform, not just, you know, on Facebook or Twitter, you guys can find us on Apple Podcast as well at CFB Coast to Coast. Uh, show us some love over there, write a review for us. Let us know how we're doing and, and what we can do differently uh, to give you guys a better experience for the show. Uh, but as always, uh, we will see you guys next week for the week five recap and looking ahead to the halfway point of week six. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey, I get it. I used to be the one planning my day around finding a bathroom and living in fear of an accident. I tried the pills and pads, but they just weren't working for me. If you're living like I was, it's time to find an expert physician and ask them about Axonics therapy. It's not another drug. It's an advanced therapy that is proven to provide lasting relief for overactive bladder. Still not sure? You can even try it first to make sure it works for you. You're not alone and you don't have to put up with this anymore. You just have to take the first step towards finding real relief. Visit findrealrelief.com to find a bladder specialist. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. Risks can result from Axonics therapy that may require surgical intervention. Available by prescription only. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com.